Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 48. How is everyone doing? My friend, Dr. Scott Wright. Everything's great. Yeah. Doing well. Fantastic. And my co-founder of MAPT, Rachel Grubbs. How are you? I see you're fantastic, and I raise you a fantabulous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. We're gambling now. Oh, wow. Well, we are in the throes of National Pre-Med Day planning, 30 sessions, close to 40 speakers across those 30 sessions. We're going to have some fun on National Pre-Med Day. Yep. Right, Indeed. Yes. So yep. everyone can go register nationalpremedday.com for that. Which I probably have a banner for. I mean, it seems like probably. the kind of thing I'd have a banner for. Yes, seems like it. Uh, while you're doing that, again, uh, that is May 28th, 2021, uh, starting at like almost 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. Eastern, I believe, uh, going for a big chunk of the day. Not like last year where we were live for 12 hours straight. We'll be a little bit less this time across three different tracks. So that's exciting. Again, nationalpremedday.com, as that says there. Cool. Um, Rachel, we are for our live people and then for, for our replay people, this is going to be different, but we are moving out of beta. I know. Cause we are beta. We don't need to be in beta anymore. Um, yeah, I was, I was reading about, uh, are the only one who cannot hear. I don't know, Joseph. Yusuf just said, yay. Other people type in if you can't hear. Um, I, yeah, I was just reading about beta. I mean, you and I made an informed choice when we did this, but I was getting like a kind of a bigger lens on it. And, you know, thinking about something like Minecraft that was in beta from 2009 to 2011. Yeah, um, Gmail was in beta forever. Yeah, for a long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and the general of thumb on beta is part of it, obviously, is it lets you guys know we know there's bugs. We hope that you'll work with us, right? And that was definitely the case at the beginning. We did have actually just a couple bugs last week. But other than that, we've been basically bug-free for months. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes you get bugs when you push new features, and we had just pushed a bunch of new features. Um, yeah. so I mean, Scott, Scott bugs me all the time, but that's we're talking about a different <laughs> bug, right? <laughs> He's like looking around, like who who are you talking wait, about? Wait, wait, there's a ghost or something. In this yeah, um, <laughs> but so part of um, part of what happens when you graduate out of beta is you're promising a certain amount of stability. That does not mean static, right? We are a hundred percent committed to continuous improvement. Um, and, you know, it's going to vary. It's going to be some months we're pushing a ton of things and some months we're working hard behind the scenes. So maybe you as the mapped user don't see as much. But 
we still have lots and lots of ideas of things we want to do to make MAP bigger and better. And someone wrote me a really nice note actually just over the weekend that said, I joined MAP last year on National Pre-Med Day. So she was a pre-order person who you know, who paid in May, didn't even get to start using it till July or August. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about the new feature, but one of her comments was just, I can't believe how much MAP has evolved. And like, that's the biggest compliment to me. Like that was exactly why we did a lower cost beta because we knew people were joining before everything that we wanted to offer was out. Um, yep. And now it's really a full-fledged thing. Cool. Yeah. And and so much more to go. So much more to go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. We had a bunch of comments before we went live. So I'm going to start the great pasting adventure for you. All right. And you guys, actually, people who are live, if you want to repaste your own comments into the live thing, that's always a big help. Yep. The first question here I've shadowed six different physicians for a little over 100 hours. On AMCAS, I will put it in as one or two experiences, but on a comish, should I separate them since I have unlimited spaces? I have interesting shadowing experiences because I did include some patient interaction. Hmm. That's always the question. Things that you have to cram together on AMCAS because they limit you to 15, right. you're now like free and you want to stretch your legs on a comish or team DSAS. Yep, yep, yep. Is there, is there any rationale to combine on a comish? I mean, I think if you, my feeling is if the experiences were very similar, uh, so if it was just strictly a shadowing experience and you had no patient interaction or whatever, then, you know, I think you could, you could combine those, but I don't think you need to feel obligated to do that. Yeah. Uh, I think you could, you know, easily just put each one as a separate thing and, and, and just go with it that way and not have to, not have to think about it. You know, there's too, too many other things to think about without having to think about things that you don't have to think about. So, yeah. Yeah. Makes complete sense. And really at, at the end of the day, these boxes are, it's not a volume thing, right? So a lot of students will think, oh, one box versus six boxes. Six boxes will look better, but really, six boxes may be annoying to some people because it's like this is the same thing over and over again. Shadowing, it's just a different doctor. Uh, so why didn't you combine these? So at the end of the right. day, the question always comes down to what's your impact, and if the impact potentially could mm-hmm. be different. Mm-hmm then sure, separate that on right. this because you have that space. If it's going to be exactly the same thing, just in a different box. Then does, yeah. Then, yeah. then maybe there's a reason together. to. Yeah. 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 You don't want to look, you don't want to try to look as if you're trying to fill up a bunch of stuff to make it look better. Or, yeah. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like in school when you were writing an essay question, you just thought if, that, if I write more and more and more and more and more and more and more, <laughs> it'll be better. Yeah. 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 My, my essay was 10 pages versus five. And I'm like, well, the five pages one was edited down and much more succinct and, and more clear. Exactly. 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 Yes. Yep. Makes sense. Okay. All right. We got a bunch of them here. I love that you're pasting in the actual comment section now so we can do this. Yeah. So even though it no looks like me, smart. at least we can still throw the comment up. Yeah. Uh, the WMC virtual med school fair, which happened last week, is it all right to email them to follow up with another question, even if they didn't explicitly say we could reach out? 
I'm applying the cycle and want to express my interest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think there's a, a yes and no here. <laughs> you so think? you go you go first, Ryan. <laughs> so my yes is sure. Email to follow up. If you have a specific follow-up question to say, hey, so-and-so, we were chatting at the virtual fair. You said this. I did more research. I have one more question. Not a, hey, we chatted, and I'm really interested in your school. Like One is just an interruption and unnecessary because you're going to apply, which shows you're interested in their school. One is just a normal follow-up conversation. Agree. I agree completely. Yeah. Yeah, the at the end of the day, my general recommendation for interacting with schools is do you have a specific question or do you just want to bother them to say, oh, I was told that make your face known, make your name known, and that is good. And so students like, hey, and, and <laughs> the worst question is, can you tell me what you're looking for or can you yeah, give me yeah. any advice? Like, don't, yeah. don't ask that kind of stuff. Uh, that's not a question. Yeah. yeah, that is definitely not a question. Yeah, and it, it's funny because I think some of that advice comes from people who have experience in the workforce where it is helpful to network. And I mean, even then it varies, right? Because if I have a job with a thousand applicants, I may or may not notice some sidebar emails. Um, but, you know, sometimes those kinds of conversations, because usually job hunting is a little bit more of a mutual fit. And obviously it's still a mutual fit with med school, but just the sheer number of applicants. Um, mm -hmm. So I think sometimes that's where that advice is coming from, but yeah, it just doesn't, um, yeah. doesn't make sense. And I, yeah. I think um, the asking the question I could have Googled, oh, such a yellow flag. Yes. It's not red, but it's yellow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely orange. Definitely. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with your decision to use my time rather than Googling. It really yeah. makes me like, yes. yeah, you might be on my radar, but not in the way you, not think. in the good way. <laughs> right? Right? If, like, <laughs> the email response to you starts off with, as it states on our website, <laughs> you yeah. probably, yeah, did bad. not a good thing. <laughs> right. right. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've been um, a teacher and advisor for a long time. And the truth is, you don't remember everybody, but you do tend to remember the outliers in either direction. Right. Um, do I remember the girl who used to follow me into the bathroom to ask questions? Yeah. That was you probably funny. even remember her name and everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was not fun <laughs> for me, right? <laughs> your feet, answer my questions. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, I think I've mentioned this on air before. One of my current doctors is an old student of mine from Princeton Review, and I didn't remember her at all. Oh, wow. And like that, because she was fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was one of a thousand students I had that year and was, you know, <laughs> neither. Uh, she was not, an, she was a pre med, right? She liked science and she went to help people and she was smart. She was great. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, keep going. I think we missed some. I'm going to go back up to the top. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. I started at the bottom. <laughs> Should I be worried about pass-fail for non-prereqs? Genetics is the class. It was made way more difficult because it was, quote, open note, and I don't want it messing up my strong upward trend. I have plenty of other upper-level bio courses planned and did well in other science courses. Did we just answer this last week? Maybe it's a different student. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I guess a lot of people are wanting to pass fail genetics. Yeah. So genetics, typically not a prereq. 
right? right? For, for most right. medical schools. The student gave lots of good context. Their grades are otherwise fine. Issue? No issue? Uh, I, I, so, no, I don't think in terms of the application it's an issue. I have an issue with the wording. It was made way more difficult because it was open note. Yeah. This, this, to me, this smacks of a bad attitude. This is a, this is needs an attitude reversal here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you're going like into this class that. to learn genetics and you, you want to learn genetics and, and, uh, and, you know, um, so I, I just don't like the way that was phrased, but in terms of the overall point, yes, go ahead, you know, pass, fail yeah. is fine. Yeah. And that's, and that's feedback, not to, to like throw shade at the question asker, but it's very common for students like, why did you pass fail that? Or why did you struggle with this class? Well, the teacher was just ridiculous, right? It's right. very common in the interview. Right. So for everyone, including this question asker, if it potentially comes up in an interview, why did you pass fail genetics? It looks like all of your other classes were good. Like, don't just say the class was harder because it was open note. Right. Yeah, and you and you you need that because if I was an interviewer, I'd hone in on that, and I'd say mm -hmm. every other a class you have is graded except for genetics. Tell me a little bit about why that was pass fail, yeah. and you better have a good answer for it. Yeah, because if if the answer is well, what you indicate here, I'd be like, mm, I don't like this student. <laughs> okay, guess what else is difficult? Yeah, med Medical school, school. <laughs> and it's not pa well. Some of them are pass some fail. Are, but. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what else else test is essentially open note is applying. That's an open yeah, note exam. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. All right, yeah, so again, no shade to you, person. Sometimes we no just type things and we're not thinking about context, but we do want to help you, all of you, think about yes, context for, absolutely. for applications absolutely. and interviews. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is a safe place where we, <laughs> I'll tell you what my yoga trainer told me the other day, I'm going to judge you real hard so you hear it from me, not your students. This there is where go. we're like, Helping you get the tough love before That's it's right. too late. Okay. If I'm starting an internship at a medical school on June 21st, however, I have onboarding April 27th before the official start day. Can I add this activity on my AMCAS application at the end of May or do I have to wait for the official start date in June? So this question has been coming up a lot from various people about activities starting after a student is going to submit their application, can they still put it on their application, uh, specifically AMCAS and ACOMIS, because uh, TMDSAS does have a future activities section, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but AMCAS and ACOMIS, can, can I add it on there to, to let them know what I'm doing? Well, I mean, you can in terms of the what, you can't in terms of the so what. Mm-hmm. You don't have any so what. There's no you, so what. There's, there's like no, I'm planning there, on doing this. I'm, I'm going to be to do that. Yeah, yeah. And and so I don't know what you're going to say if you add it as an activity. What what are you going to say? I'm going to be doing X, Y, and Z. So you're just really describing, and you know that's fine. I don't think it's a downside to that, but it's just not going to have a, as much meaning right. to the to to the med schools. Yeah. Yeah, my, I was thinking my about that particularly for AMCAS, right? You only have 15 spots. Do you really right. need to put up on something that is just a job description? Right. Not an experience. Agreed. Yeah, I agree with that. My my general recommendation is always leave off the future stuff on AMCAS. And it, if schools are interested to know, it'll be part of their secondary application. Yep. A yep. lot of schools will ask, what are you planning on doing? 
during this time, this application yeah. cycle. Right. All right. Can we include names of people who were not patients in our stories and the activities descriptions, or should we put them in quotations as well? Pseudonyms. Can we include names of people? Who, so uh, the good example would be the doctor, the name of yep. the doctor that you're working with. And I think you include the name. I, you know, if, if it's Dr. Jones or Dr. Smith or whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. And uh, absolutely, I don't see a problem with that at all. Yeah, so if you were at a camp or somewhere soup kitchen or whatever, you can use real names if you want. There's no yeah. obviously HIPAA violation with those right. types of things. The, the one thing, and I just want to mention it here because it's come up a couple times with application Academy uh, students and, and reviewing things is just because you don't use a name doesn't mean there's not a HIPAA violation included there. Right. So I had one very specific student say, I think they were part of like the athletic training or uh, personal, uh, what do you call that? A athletic training, part of their their school. And it was a big division one school. And they were talking about going to Texas to play a game and the quarterback tearing his ACL. Didn't use the student's name, <clears throat> but all I had to do, and I did it live with the students with me, I said, QB, Texas, torn ACL. And I saw who it was. I'm like, that's it. That's a HIPAA violation. If I can yep. figure out who it is. So you just got to be careful. Yep. Yeah. I was thinking about that too in one other lens, which is like, sure. I think, you know, if you're talking about a doctor, it, it makes sense to probably mention that person's name, especially if maybe they also come up later as like letter of recommend or supervisor title or something like that. But you could probably do a gut check on whether or not you'd want your own name used. You know, mm. like there are going to be some stories where the name just doesn't matter. And it's just as easy to use a fake one. Um, yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, I mean, honestly, like I know people like rubrics in black and white, but probably your gut is pretty good, yeah. right? If you think I would have no problem with strangers reading this story about me, then it's probably fine. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. When writing about research, one of my most meaningful experiences, should I discuss what I did using heavy scientific terms or focus more on what I learned? Asking because I heard most people who read the apps are not MDs or science PhDs. Well, I don't know, I don't know that's where you true. heard that. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think that's true. But yeah, I mean, I mean definitely, I think uh, you d should focus more on what you learned. Um, it's the so what part. And uh, and I, I don't agree with the other part being the people who are reading the apps not being MDs or, PH, or PhDs. I think often they are. Yeah, yeah. It depends. Uh, obviously, big depends on the school. Big right. Admissions offices have some people from the community and nurses and lawyers and other people, um, but definitely <laughs> plenty of MDs and, and science PhDs who are part of the faculty. Oh yeah, reviewing those applications. Yeah, particularly once it gets to the level of interview uh, and the admissions committee itself, you know, that's faculty on that's at med school. Yeah. 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 What makes me nervous about this question is it gets back to that what versus so what. If you're using a lot of heavy scientific terms, then I'm worried that your description is going to be a very what heavy description. Yep. And I want to know what you learned, what you got out of it. Yep. And I just doubt you're going to need that many science heavy terms to, right. to tell me about your experience, not about your day-to-day -day duties at the lab. 
Yeah. Yeah. But if you think, think about it like this too, just because I'm a physician doesn't mean I'm familiar with your research. Right. So right. explaining it super scientifically and very technical doesn't help me understand anyway. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Well, yeah. And think, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Rachel. I was just thinking about bedside manner, right? Like I have a pretty strong vocabulary. So when I don't know a word, I feel pretty comfortable, but I can't tell you the number of times I've had to call out a doctor who mostly I really like and say, you just used a bunch of words that mean nothing to me. I need you to try again, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, just think about who your audience is. Yep. And, and yeah, so is it whether or not they know those terms, but it's also like, is it, are you being a clear communicator? Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And your application is your first opportunity to communicate. Mm-hmm. And that's right. Yeah. Knowing the fancy terms is not as impressive to me as knowing how to turn that complicated thing into something digestible. Yep. All right. Let's keep going. I know Dr. Gray recommends showing impact in the activities via stories. For a lesser known activity, would you recommend explaining the activity plus a story of impact 50-50 split? A high school color guard performing arts instructor who mentored low socioeconomic status students. So I've actually added more context around this statement uh, just within the last couple of weeks. And, and the context around it is exactly this. If it's something, I, I've always said, right, a reader knows what a scribe does. You don't need to explain to me what a scribe does. A, a reader knows what an EMT is. You don't need to explain that. Mm-hmm. And my assumption is in that context, the opposite is true too. If you have some sort of obscure thing, then mm-hmm. yeah, explain it briefly mm-hmm. and then show me the, the so what, right? Um, but, but that never truly got communicated. Like everyone was like, Oh, everyone knows what everybody does. And so I don't need to explain any sort of job. Uh, but no, like full context for scribe EMT, very basic things. The assumption is a reader's going to understand that you don't need to go in depth explaining that at all for yeah. something like this, potentially write a sentence about what it is and what you did yeah. and then impact. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've spent years working with SES students, so that term's familiar to me, but I don't know if it's commonly known. Mm. Like, you know, people might say like reduced and free lunch and they're like, oh, that's what SES is. You know, like, like there might just be other ways to describe it that are, that I don't know if everyone knows it's. So, I mean, I think this person who asked gave a great example, right? I bet you a lot of people know that term, but maybe not everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Cool. It's amazing. Adding more context into what I say actually helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, not not everyone reads my mind. How dare you? That's all right. Uh, how do public <laughs> medical schools look at applicants from adjacent states? I am a New York resident and was told that while New Jersey public schools don't look at any New York applicants as in-state, they're given more consideration than the typical out-of-state applicants. Any validity to this? I think there is some validity to that, uh, depending on the state. So, for example, here in Texas, there are some counties in the eastern part of New Mexico where those people are considered in-state Texas residents for the Texas Tech Medical School that is out west Texas. So, I think it, 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 
it, it can be applicable. So it depends on the state. It depends on, and it may not be the whole other you know, adjacent state. It may be just certain counties in that state. Wow. Are they considered in state for the 10% cap as well? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow. The secrets are coming out today. All right. All right. We got to, got to get those counties built into maps so that when the student adds Texas tech, that that's on there. That's yeah. cool. So I guess Scott, the follow-up question that I bet this person would love to ask is, uh, is that kind of stuff published? Like, can, can I go? Yeah, it is. Pub- yeah, it is. It is uh, in Texas tech for, as a good example, Texas tech makes, uh, makes a good, uh, uh, example of that and stuff. So I don't, I don't think it's hidden stuff like that. So the best yeah. thing is to go look at those school websites mm-hmm. yeah, and just exactly. see what they say, how they define, yeah. you know, in-state or maybe in-state reciprocity or something. Right, like right, right, right. Okay. Exactly. Great. Good question. As always, school dependent. <laughs> yep. I'm trying to decide whether to categorize my anesthesia check job as clinical or non-clinical. There's minimal patient contact, pre-op, prep, positioning in the OR, et cetera, but most of it is obviously with sedated patients. Probably one-tenth of the hours worked are patient-facing, so it should probably be considered non-clinical. What are your thoughts? You know those silly anesthesiologists? I mean, they're not clinical doctors at all. (laughs) Do they even go to medical school, really? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Speaking as someone who's been under anesthesia many times, heck, yeah, it is clinical. You are one of the most important people in my life. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely clinical. Yeah. I understand the question. It's It's a common question usually out of anxiety of like, if they find out what I truly do, they're, they're going to think I'm lying and making up my clinical experience hours. It's very similar for EMTs. Guess, guess what EMTs do most of the time. A lot of time they're sitting around waiting for, for a call. And they're like, do I have to split out my hours? And some is clinical, some is non-clinical. I'm like, well, what do ER doctors do? They sit around and wait for the patients to come. And obviously ER docs are busy, but uh, just a, a exaggeration there. So yes, it, it is definitely clinical and you don't have to reduce your hours or anything like that. It's a high integrity question, but we're happy yep. to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> wrong. Hello, I've heard that you should call schools that may screen you out due to your sub 3.0 cumulative GPA, even with a strong upper trend. Would you do this? What would you say? So someone who started poorly, strong upward trend, but maybe still gets digitally shredded. That you should call those schools? Like, hey, this is Johnny. Just like <clears throat> I know, I, I might have been shredded, didn't pass your filters, but here's why I think you should take a look at my application. No, I would not. No, just leave it up to chance. No, I mean, so I guess what is the expectation here? Is 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 you know, if I was an admissions officer and 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 I got a call like that, so in other words, what they're saying is, uh, hello, I know you can't really read. So I'm going to tell you over the phone. <laughs> I, I know that maybe you have all of your filters and, and everything set up the exact way that you want them, but you but still might've missed my application. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to let you know that you should mm-hmm. still look at mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so to clarify, right. And we're, we're poking fun. Schools have the ability to filter based on trends and not just three O. 
Correct. They can they can say we want to filter everyone less than a 3.0 who also does not have a strong upward trend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so y- you have you have to trust that the schools understand. Yeah. Will a phone call potentially help? An email potentially help? Maybe one out of 100? We don't know, right? Yeah. But in general, the more interruptions, the worse. <laughs> the yeah. worse attitudes. Yeah. Do you know, and and because they get lots of applications, and I always put it in these terms, what if everyone that submitted an application made a phone call? Yeah. The phones would ring nonstop. There, it would be impossible to deal with. Yeah. And, he, and, and a good example of that is here in Texas, I think this is a national trend this year, the applications this year from last year were up 20% this year. Up 20%. So they're getting, you know, there's more and more and more. So, yeah. I was just having like a little, like, how does this apply to regular life? And I'm like, if you were on Tinder and you swipe <laughs> left a hundred times, and then somebody you swipe left on got your number and called you, do you nope. think that would help that person's chances? Nope. No. So, so I did the math, assuming 8,000 <laughs> applications. Two minutes for each phone call over the course of an eight-hour day. That would be 33 straight days of being on the phone talking to these students. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't have time to go through the apps, which is the whole point. Yep. And yeah, I think we're all feeling kind of spicy, spunky today. Um, and and we still love you guys. We're just trying to you know give you some checks. I understand exactly where that question is coming from, but it's not going to get you the result you think it is. Um you know, the best thing to do is put forward your best application and trust that they are looking at the numbers multiple ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've, I've talked at the, uh, a lot, and maybe this is the, where this question is coming from, is at the end of the day, you are the only one who's going to advocate for yourself. And, and advocating for yourself sometimes is making a phone call, sending an email, and you have to think about, like, Will this make a difference? Am I different than anyone else applying? Do I think there truly is a reason why they should look at my application for one reason or another? And and do those checks and balances. And if you still think you should call, then call. But but know that it may not go well. Yeah. Quick break from questions. What if they told me to reach out after I submit? Yeah, that works. All right, no question. I just got off work. I wanted to pop on and say thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, and a quick redemption. It's a heart. heart. Wait. Following up the Gen X comment. Oh, I phrased that poorly. <laughs> <laughs> the instructors themselves told us it was made more difficult to allow for open note exams as opposed to protected. Proctored ones. Okay, that makes sense. Thanks for your help, though. I, I won't be blaming anyone for the PF but myself. <laughs> nice. Right. We would have loved you and given you the benefit of the doubt anyway, but we love yes. a mensch who steps forward and corrects themselves. There we all learn go. and do better. There you go. <laughs> what section of the application will you suggest listing foster care under? I've been a licensed foster parent for four years, and it's a big part of my life. 
Is it an extracurricular, a hobby, a volunteer? Hmm. That's a good question. Wow. I would say... I wouldn't call it a hobby. Yeah, I wouldn't call it volunteer either because you get money from the state to take care of the kids. This might be one of the ones where we don't all agree, but here's what I'm going back to. A couple months ago, somebody had said... I'm a mother. When do I mention my kids in the application? And we said, you don't unless it's relevant to your, uh, to your application. And not like it's a secret. Um, I love having med students who are parents or who become parents, right? That's, that's great. But I guess, I mean, foster care is definitely a, a different kind of parenting, but I might come down on unless you can tell me how that's related to into to your meta your your desire to be a physician i don't i don't know that it needs to come up you know um mm. yeah that's a good point that's- i would i would i would challenge that last statement just in in general like i don't think everything has to relate back to medicine and why you want to be a doctor and sure yeah that's um true. but, but it's, i mean i, I just know. think like would you talk about your spouse um I, I think there's just something different about being a foster parent like yeah. you you obviously have a heart for doing something um it it's it's obviously a lot more involved than being a parent parent where you you have your your kids and you love them and whatever you you love your foster kids too but there's there's i don't there's i don't know but my my question will come down to do you get paid to be a foster parent or are you getting a stipend or, or pay to support. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what, that's what I mean by that. And so I'd probably put it under volunteer. Probably. That's, I I think there is a category called other. There is. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. You could, use. this is a big part of who I am and I wanted to list it, but I wasn't sure how to categorize it. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Yeah. I think, I I think that tells me a lot about someone if they're a foster, uh, foster, their compassion and, you know, yeah. Okay. I'm choosing between a job that's a combination of an MA scribe with Derm Tech certification, company will pay for this, or a scribe at the teaching hospital affiliated with the medical school I want to attend. Ooh, I don't know which is best because I'm very interested in both, but can't do both. Any advice? So, I would say... Okay, all things being equal, if the pay is equal, I mean, that's rarely the case, but if the yeah. pay is equal, um, I sort of think that the MA scribe with the Derm Tech certification might be better because scribing, you never quite know. You know, it, it may be very, very passive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but the combo MA scribing, Derm tech thing, it sounds like it's going to be a lot more interactive and have a lot, maybe potentially a lot more patient contact with it. Yeah. That, that'd be my thought. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. always that networking question of like, oh, what if I run into the director of admissions as who's an ER doc? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. All right. We have so many today. I lost track. Okay. Here's a good one. How do you write about the quote, so what, in activities after describing a story without telling or using phrases like I learned or I feel that are recommended against in the application book? Well, 
Ryan, you're the one that wrote the application book, so I think you should I wrote respond that darn to this question. Why don't you yeah. add some context? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my my general thought is statements like, I learned that compassion is very important to be a doctor. Like those types of I learned statements in my mind are useless. Like, okay, great. I'm glad you learned that. Um, and so being able to just go a step further and talk more about how it impacted you or how you impacted it versus just mm-hmm. I learned, right? That's that's where I, I talk about I learned being kind of useless in the application book. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to give an example off the top of my head, but there's lots of examples in the book. Yeah, I mean, I think you could you could easily say something. I was able to use this lesson with the next patient that I encountered, blah, blah, blah. Or um, it, it really informed my understanding of the patient-doctor relationship or and how important that relationship is or stuff like that. Yeah, even something as simple, and, and it's, it's still a little generic, but something as simple as the the um i don't know i i'm terrible at giving examples so i'm not even gonna try (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) get your book out and read some i don't know okay here's what i'll do to kind of tie this up um, some of you have been asking, like, why aren't there more Am I Ready's? We love Am I Ready. And it's because Scott and I want to pivot to doing more, like, Am I Ready to Submit This Essay kind of stuff. So we'll do some more deep diving into this soon. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That, that's how I'm going to leave this one. Yeah. It, it could take the whole session and, you know, it will. Another day. Yep. Uh, it's kind of weird. Okay. I have two questions. What are our chances of getting into medical school? Uh, we don't answer that question. I have noticed that the different systems don't communicate with the uh, with one another. Therefore, an acceptance for osteopathic schools is going to be a rejection for other application systems. I'm currently a nursing student and graduate in December. I'm going to wait a year to get my feet wet and apply. Would you recommend this? So I've talked about this first question before. and and basically said your chances of getting into medical school are not 40%, right? That's what AMCAS tells you. It's 40% or 41. Yeah. It's higher than that. It's higher than that because as the student rightfully says, the application services don't talk to each other. And so a rejection on AMCAS could be someone who got into TMDSAS or got into a COMIS or a rejection on TMDS could be a, a, someone who got accepted to a COMIS or AMCAS. So the application services don't talk to each other and there's not a lot of good data out there of what percentage of people yeah. applied to AMCAS, also applied to a COMIS, also right. applied to... And so right. my fuzzy math, and I just did a lot of like, well, what if, what if, what if, was like, it's closer to 50%, not 50%. Yeah, yep. That's what I was going to say, 50-50 shot. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I think it depends on where you're applying. It also depends on, um, you know, how, how many applications you put out. I mean, I think there's a lot of factors there, but if you, if you're applying to all the Ivy schools, you know, yeah. then it's going to be a lot lower than that. If you're applying broadly, 
and wisely, then I think, you know, it could be even higher than 50, per, 50% chance. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. obviously it depends on the application, yeah. <laughs> who you are and what you've put in there. Yeah. I didn't understand the context of the question. You guys had better reading skills on that one than I did. I was confused by it. That's why I went weird at the beginning. Um, but I'm glad you guys were there. And then, so yeah, the last the part. second half of that, sentence, that question? Yeah. The last part was, I'm a nursing student and graduate in December. I'm going to wait a year to get my feet wet and apply. Sure. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Yeah, for sure. Get some good clinical experience there. Yeah, absolutely. Hashtag cars. <laughs> that was to you, Rachel. <laughs> Reading comprehension. Hashtag cars. Yeah, I failed that one. Usually I'm pretty good, but today I went, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. I recorded some MCAT podcasts episodes this morning with our, our blueprint friends and I, I got destroyed <laughs> with my reading comprehension today. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Uh, quick funny. Don't expose us EMTs like that. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting around waiting for the calls. It's Sorry. pretty, pretty well known. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to skip one cause it's too long, but the person who asked about will adcoms look at each of our classes on an in-depth basis. If you want to shorten that to 400 characters, I'll come back to you. But you got a lot <laughs> of words there that I can't read because they get cut off. Would I look like an annoying neurotic pre-med? Yes. The answer is always yes. <laughs> if you started off like that. <laughs> if, if I try to explain one grade slip up where I still received a decent grade, but not a 4.0. Yeah, like, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, you don't you have would, to have a 4.0. You would look like an, a neurotic pre-med, yes. Yes. Welkie's getting some shout-outs in the comments. Oh, Welkie. <laughs> oh, yeah. A little dark spot there by the pillow. <laughs> yeah, I, I've even had a student very recently... Like, tell me about a time you failed. And it's like, well, I really struggled with the with this class and I still ended up getting an A. <laughs> like, but that's that's not failing. <laughs> Come on, man. Also, if that's like the closest thing you've had to failing, then you've had uh, such a great life. <laughs> Very privileged life. Yeah, we we actually have or been really example. tortured by your parents, but that's a yeah. whole other thing. <laughs> I give this example a lot, a conversation that I was having with one of the the deans and directors of admissions at that conference in Toronto, Scott, where you and I met, um, uh, met in person. We had met before that uh, virtually, but um, was was that exact thing. Like if if your biggest struggle was you didn't win the state championship in high school or uh, if if you almost barely didn't get a 4.0 like, mm -hmm. then schools are gonna be like well what happens when you get punched in the face in medical school yep and and the context around a, a perfect 4.0 student where there's no struggle and students really hate this discussion because they're like well what are you saying i have to struggle to show that i can do well no that's not what we're saying but it just gives context around who you are versus another student with a little bit lower gpa but who did struggle and and gives context to the admissions committee to say oh i can see that this student has some resilience already that i can see here and the other student, I have to assume they are resilient, but I don't know for sure 100% yet. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
All right. Okay. Lots of comments today. Here's a question. As a non-trade, <laughs> non-trad, I had my psychology, sociology, and English courses completed 15 years ago. Do I need to retake these courses? Otherwise, would I have finished all my prereqs by next semester? No. Nope, nope. You should be fine. Nope. Even if you were a trade. <laughs> <laughs> we're just giving you a hard time. Yeah. Rachel's... Right. Sorry, no, I was trying to think about the root of this question, right? Because we get this a lot. Yeah, and do. it's it's the idea that you should show some recent academic success. But if you're yes. currently taking science prereqs, yeah, then you are that. currently showing that. Correct. Success. That's correct. Yeah, this is yes. a common confusion point for a lot of people. Yeah. All right. Can I include an award and a poster presentation abstract publication under the same activity? Also, what else can I write about the award besides why I got it? Why is it important to me, maybe? So uh, honors, awards, and recognitions. Is that the, the other? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a three, mm -hmm. three one. Uh, I think it's so. One mm -hmm. category. And then presentations and posters is another category, I believe is the exact thing. So can you include them under one? Sure, you can do whatever you want. Um, will it potentially make sense why you put them together? depends i think if they're related to the exact same like project you were doing mm -hmm. then it makes sense to put it all together and i think it will make sense to most readers that they'll be say oh yeah, it won't seem odd or something like that because honestly i think a lot of readers they're not as they're not as particularly at at the medical school level readers they're not as connected to the ins and outs of why AMCAS has it categorized one way as opposed to another way as opposed to another way. They don't care. They, they're just trying to get a sense of what, what have you done? What, what is this all about? And so if you happen to combine two things and it was, was didn't completely follow the AMCAS, you know, directions well enough, I don't think it's not going to be a big deal. I, I just think you do what makes sense to you. As we said earlier, you know, kind of let your gut direct you a little bit on that and then and then and and do it and 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 move on. Okay. Our friend who I asked to reword the question has given us a nice pithy version of it. I took a class three times for sound reasons. First time B, A, the next two times. <laughs> Will Adcoms dive deep into our application, see that and think, what is this guy's problem? Why no, did he gave us a, a lot more context and I told him to shorten it up. So if you're going, what? <laughs> I am going, what? Why did you retake an A? He took it once as an undergrad and twice during the post back because the professor actually uses it as an MCAT prep course. So, okay. He, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, potentially they could go, this student's just like trying to pad his GPA here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it'd be worth, I mean, I think it will add con well, I mean, what's the alternative? I mean, I don't it, understand the question. It's going to be on there. You took it. It's, it's on the transcript. You got to put it on the thing. So it's, it's sort of a moot question in a way. Yeah. Maybe some of them will say, yeah, what's this guy's problem? Maybe some of them will say, oh, well, you know, 
yeah. might, must have good reasons. Maybe it'll come up in an interview and give you an give you an opportunity to talk more about something that you think is cool about you know yeah. what what you did. Yeah. And as you go, they say, dang, so it could be an issue. No, that's not what we're saying. No, we're saying, that's not what I'm saying. No, no, Well, yeah. full context is important and not like write us another note, but full context of your transcript. Do you have not great grades everywhere else? And then you just kept retaking the same class over and over again for A's to pad your application. Or is there just this weird thing where you have three of the same class? Yeah. Um, yeah. But other grades are are good as well. So, I mean... At the end of the day, it is what it is. Are you going to not apply to medical school just because they may look into why yeah. you took this class three times? No. Exactly. So that's my point. Be prepared yes. to talk about it. And yeah, that's right. Keep going. Yep. All right. Um... I love this question. Does a strong MCAT score balance a lower GPA? I've heard mixed things on this. I do not think they do the same thing. The MCAT score, MCAT tests, problem solving abilities, reading comprehension, your ability to, I mean, Rachel can, you know, tell us a lot about that. And a GPA is, can you stick out day in, day out, classroom stuff, study, discipline, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They do different things. So, no, I do not think one balances out the other. Yeah. Where I've been adding a little bit more context around this is at the end of the day, a higher GPA always helps. At the end of the day, yep. a higher MCAT score always helps. Always helps, yeah. And for schools where potentially they're converting everything into a rubric or they're using a rubric to convert everything into points and an MCAT range gets converted into points and obviously a higher MCAT gets converted into more, more points. Well, then sure, you could technically think about it as a higher MCAT helping a lower GPA just because you get more points. Mathematically, yeah. Mm -hmm. But a higher MCAT score always helps. Yeah. A higher GPA always helps. So the, the answer is always get as high of an MCAT score as possible, mm -hmm. right? So it's the same type of question, Scott, of like um, – like, what's the point of the question in my mind? Get a high MCAT score. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, now, if they're trying to play a game of like, well, I need at least a 510 to balance out my 3.2, like, you can't play that game. Yeah, you can't. And that's, that, that was my point. Yeah, yeah. you can't because they do, they do different things. Yeah. Also, I mean, this isn't in the question, but I feel like one of the unspoken questions in this question is, are you talking about a lower GPA or are you talking about not having a good upward trend? Because mm -hmm. right? if you've got the best upward trend you can get, then as hard as it is, you kind of just let that, need to let that cumulative number go away from your brain. Yes, not that's right. You. That's right. Or call and bug the ad com. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Send them 12 emails. <laughs> <laughs> Will more emails balance out a lower GPA? <laughs> what if I follow her into the bathroom? Will that help? <laughs> or to her car from the, in the parking lot? I oh heard. I no, no, never mind. <laughs> it's too far. Anyway, uh, uh, here's a good one. <laughs> are you planning on releasing more mission accepteds? Love them and could really use some success stories for motivation. So. Mm. Uh, that's something I do on the, the medical school HQ side of things. Uh, yes, the answer is yes. Um, we are um, 
finishing up recording season three of application renovation and then we will move on to mission accepted so it's just based on um time frame timeline of the application cycle right now application cycles basically winding down everyone's been accepted who's accepted and we'll start doing some of those recordings yep, yep. all right looks like we've come to the end Lots of fun today. Oh I feel like our our, <laughs> our our live audience was just as a uh, spunky and right and uh, lively as we were. At <laughs> some point, they were talking about whether or not they were going to get punched, and I never did get the context on why they were worried about it. So I'm just no. assuming they're having I, like their own chats in there. No, it's something I said. I, I said uh, <laughs> I was talking about resilience and a student who hasn't had any <laughs> challenges when they get punched in the face in med school, which is a playoff of Mike Tyson's quote, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> kill, like our, kill. our UFC fighter this past weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was not good. <laughs> anyway. One last question thrown in there. You want to go? Uh, looks like actually, two more, two. actually. Here, do this one. Yeah. How should students with instructional approach admissions, especially if it's academic integrity related. I'm assuming institutional actions. Yeah, I think that must be what it means. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, so institutional action, hashtag read the book. I have some examples in there mm -hmm. of institutional action essays. Uh, academic integrity is tough. Right. I, yep. As as we say a bunch here, time heals all wounds. Uh, mm -hmm. If if it was a academic freshman. integrity issue, senior year versus freshman year, that's going to play a lot differently. Yep, absolutely. And you know, and I think what you have to do is you just have to explain it and say, you know, I, I messed up. I learned a lot from it. I'm a I'm a different person now, having gone through this experience. And then just let it, it. It's going to play out how it's going to play out. Own it. One, one of the examples in my book, yeah, one of the examples in the book is is a true thing that a student wrote of like, I was falsely accused. I'm like, nope, that's not going to work. <laughs> if you got dismissed from school, this kid was kicked out of his school. Oh, wow. You weren't falsely accused of anything. No, yeah, that's so. not... Oh, we'll do one more. Uh, there's a couple more trickling in, but somebody who asked one like 20 minutes ago, I missed. So I want to give them preference. Hmm. Yeah, depends, right? Oh, wait, let's read it out loud for the listeners. Uh, hi, How I many times my, my is too many missed. times to retake a course? Uh, I would say if you're having to take a course more than twice. Pi, pi is too many. Yeah, yeah, then that's, <laughs> that's probably not a good sign. And I mean, I think with all of these, it's, you know, we give tough love, not because we're judging you, but because we want to help you. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we talked about that one one-off case where the student took it three times because he took it once academically and twice as MCAT prep. Like, that was a weird case. But in most cases, if you're retaking, it probably means you need a better grade. And if you need a better grade, we want you to dig deep and really reflect. Yeah. What happened that that was so tough for you? Um, you know, what resources are available to you to help you get through that tough course? You know, does your does your campus have um, a tutoring center? Is the tutoring center virtual now that we're still in pandemic life? Um, 
you know, I've talked to a lot of students over the years, um, this is often more specific to MCAT prep than, than academic issues, where they'll say like, oh, I just didn't allow enough time last time. And I'm like, great, what's happening this semester? And they're like, well, I'm working 40 hours a week mm-hmm. and I'm taking a full load. Well, I still have to take care of my little sister. And I'm like, first of all, you're an amazing person and I love you. Second of all, that sounds like too much. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the old adage, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. Yeah. So that the question will always come back to, great, we all make mistakes, we all struggle in organic chemistry, biochemistry, whatever class it is, needing to retake it, per- makes perfect sense. Struggling again, the question is, why didn't you adjust? And what does that tell me about you? Now, obviously, if you need to take it again, take it again and be very prepared to talk about why you why? have to take it a third time. Yeah. Hopefully not a fourth time. Right. Yeah, and whatever time you're on, just yeah. make sure this next time is the last time. Yeah. And some some institutions will they're not gonna let you do that. You know, there, yeah. there are a lot of there are a lot of colleges and universities that after the second retake, then they, they won't let you retake it again. Yeah. Yep. Has the map team ever had an in-person meeting? We got to get you out of these little webcam boxes. Agreed. So, so what's fun is Rachel and I have never met in person. Scott and I have met in person at a conference. Mm-hmm. Rachel and Scott have never met in person. No. So one day. One We're day. all vaccinated now. So Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm vaccinated and this weekend I'll hit my two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Same I was sort of hoping that pandemic life plus rising environmental concerns would mean I would never have to get on a plane again. Um, but I might make well, an exception. We're not going to use our private maps, our, our private mapped owned plane, Even our jet. <laughs> I bought I bought our mapped jet for no reason. <laughs> Man. If we had the kind of money where we could just buy ourselves a jet for fun, <laughs> we'd be doing something really different. <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, All right. Nice. Vax crew. Yeah, we are definitely a Vax crew. Yeah, uh, we are. Which I would assume, you know, I think most of our listeners are probably pro-vaccine. Yeah. Hopefully, if you're flying. No, I'm not afraid of flying. I'm just tired of it. I've yeah. flown my whole life. I'm over it. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks. Maybe for we should let's do a cruise. We'll all go on a cruise. Tomorrow. Oh wait, no, plane's fine. <laughs> no, you don't like boats and water. I don't want it. Never mind. I can say all kinds of no. I'm not going to go there. I'll fly Cruises wherever you want. Don't make me do a cruise. <laughs> uh, Scott and I will cruise. Um. Once oh, the speed of pricing rolls out, you get the jet. Oh, yeah, those extra dollar a month. That's going to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, final reminder, we are closing uh, the beta on um, Sunday, May 2nd. So starting Monday, May 3rd, there'll be um, no beta, slightly increased pricing just for new subscribers. If you're a current subscriber, it's not going to impact you. And the main reason I'm telling it to you guys who are live is if you've got friends you can always use your referral code, which you can find and mapped under your profile. And just, you know, if anyone was thinking about signing up, now's a good time for them to do it and lock in that lower rate for their first year. Yep. Yep, yep. Take care, guys. Have a good week. Bye, everyone. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free. 
for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.